Welcome to the Shift Podcast. In competition, transitions are all around you, and then it can either make or break you as an athlete and as a team. And the reality is the same is true in life. Change, transitions are inevitable. Here at Shift, we are focusing on assisting athletes through successful transition in life and in the sport. You have the opportunity to hear stories of these athletes, the ups and downs, the struggles, and the successes that they've experienced along the way, as well as share their story of transition to life after playing their sport professionally at an elite level. Hello, my name is Jonathan Van Horn, along with former pro soccer players Wells Thompson and Michael LaHood. We are excited to be able to journey with you in this process of athlete transition. Enjoy today's episode. Today's guest in the Shift Podcast is in light of Turkey Day, Thanksgiving. Uh, this is Jonathan growing up in Michigan. Turkey Day was not only filled with food, but the Detroit Lions. Today, we have Akeem Valles, a former NFL tight end, played for the Lions for a season and enjoyed celebrating on Turkey Day. Uh, so in light of that, we are going to drop his podcast this week. Uh, Hakeem is, a, again, NFL tight end. But one of the things that's unique about him and his story is a moment in time that really shifted for him and his perspective. He was hogtied, feared for his life in Haiti on a mission trip there. I'll let him share the whole details. Pretty crazy. But also what was unique was his as a rookie in the NFL, he actually bought his first real estate property and began to invest in real estate. Now he's a real estate investor. He's also the founder of Perspective Global Media, working with uh, podcasts and helping people start podcasts and promote podcasts and their platform. In addition to that, he has jumped into TikTok as of late and the dude is killing it. He's got a couple of videos that have gone viral with over million, over 2.5 million views for one of his videos, which is still pretty crazy to think about. I know uh, you're going to love the time that Hakeem uh, and I had just connecting, sharing stories and the power that stories bring to perspectives in our lives. Enjoy the show today. All right, how are you guys doing today? My name is Jonathan Van Horn, host of the Shift Podcast. I'm excited about uh, who we have on the show today. Hakeem Valle is just NFL, former NFL player, working toward making a comeback. Uh, Continually, a serial entrepreneur. I've dove in. Didn't take the traditional path uh, to to the NFL, uh, which is I think it's it's exciting to see how how athletes carve out their own path in in life, uh, but also to find athletic success. And there's no one direct path that is consistent across the table. There's no formula that works for everyone. Uh, and that's the beauty of sport. Here at Shift, we're always talking about transition and how to navigate transition. Transition is seen as an opportunity, not an obstacle or a hurdle. It's an opportunity for success, opportunity to growth, opportunity to learn and develop, to really becoming who you are to create and design to be your best true self. So, Hakeem, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Jonathan, appreciate you for having me. Uh, come on. I'm glad we uh, made it happen. Yeah, no, well, like I said, I know we, you and I have uh, just started to get to know each other over the last basically since COVID. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Sort of funny to say that, uh, but it's, I know I've really enjoyed the time that we've been able to connect and hear a bit of your story. So just for, for our listeners, uh, can you just get, share a little bit about uh, just some of your narrative, your story that you've had, uh, university uh, experience as an entrepreneur, a little bit in the NFL, and then also where you're at today. Absolutely. So I, uh, one thing I pride myself is just self-awareness and just knowing who I've always been, which has been an entrepreneur and an athlete. Um, so I, I was that kid back in middle school who was hustling Skittles, going nice. to school backpacks. Um, and you know, as my years progressed, I just 
hacked and found different opportunities that, as it pertained to business. We didn't really call it entrepreneurship uh, back then, but going in, you know, from my high school senior year, going to my college years, my little brother cracked his iPhone four. And on the back end of that, I created an iPhone repair business. Um, I started recycling the screens I was fixing. And then on the back end of that, I started a flipping cracked iPhone screen business that was literally doubling profit of what I was buying cracked screens for. Um, once I was in college, my degree was business with a concentration in real estate. And I, I dived a little bit deeper into that passion. My the father of my ex-girlfriend had a house flipping business and we flipped about 10 houses together uh, up in New Jersey. And that was a, an amazing just hand in hand experience while I was playing college football. Um, while I was playing college football, though, I was a bench player. So rode the bench okay. my first three years of school. Didn't literally did not see the field except for when it was time to take a knee at the end and maybe like an onside kick here and there. Um, my senior year. I made the move from wide receiver to tight end and first game of my senior year, I got my first catch second game. I got my first touchdown and started every game after that. And it was in between my, my senior year and my fifth year, uh, personally where everything changed for me mentally, uh, you know, overcame a traumatic experience of being, you know, hog tied in a compound near Port-au-Prince, Haiti and robbed of everything we had and overcoming the traumatic experience of being, you know, covered in your own urine at peace with the fact that you're going to die in a third world country is what got me to the NFL. I uh, utilized that inflection point as something that I framed against my everyday struggles, whether it was mentally or whether it was physically, you know, you're training, you're doing conditioning and it feel that, that moment where, you know, you're, that, that voice comes in the back of your head, but I could drown that voice out by just saying, you know, you're not, you're not dead. You're not tied up. And like being able to actually feel and experience that, is you know not a day goes by where i don't think about it and like i said kind of counter against everything i'm going through and use that to train my face off and become one of the you know a better athlete to to be enough to make it undrafted into the nfl and uh over the years had a three-year nfl career and throughout those years bought properties um real estate and in the cannabis space um across the cities that i played in um and then after retiring in the 2018 season uh, launched my company, Perspective Global Media, and we're a 12-person shop that focuses on podcast production for real estate professionals, financial services professionals, and entrepreneurs. That's amazing. You know, I think uh, at Shift, we talk a lot about our stories. Like, our stories have power, and, and our stories really shape who we are today, but also create a springboard for where we go in our future. Uh, and we, for, we don't remember or don't take the time to, to actually soak in those moments of, of trauma, of difficulty, of moments like that, but also success. If we don't actually take the time to actually sit in those moments and reflect and feel the emotions that we experienced in those times, what our body was going through, what do we learn, all those types of things in those moments, you really miss out on, on who you are and what sh makes you you, what brings the passion, the desires, uh, what makes you tick uh, with it within this, the present. Uh, and again, it's a springboard for, for what's to come. So you just, you hit on a couple of different stories. I want to, I want to sort of hit rewind just a, just a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. So, she, she, so I've heard that story about what happened in Haiti a little bit. How did that, that, that's just still crazy to me. Like that whole, that whole dynamic. Can you just dive into that a little bit long, a little bit more, a little, give us a little bit of depth to it. Yeah. And, and how did that, how did that shape? You talked about how that really shaped your athletic performance uh, affected, impacted your, your business and how you saw business. 
Can you share, give a little more context to that? Yeah. So I mean, the Haiti story played out. I just graduated undergrad at Monmouth. Um, was about to head into my fifth year and start summer classes. And uh, my my church back in New Jersey, we have a missionary attached to it uh, called All Hands Together. And we went out there with a bunch of nurses from Villanova University. And our mission was bringing uh, medicine to different churches and orphanages across the country. And as a Haitian, as my my, my grandparents were Haitian immigrants, and uh, being you know ingrained in your own roots in that sense mm-hmm. is a beautiful feeling. One of the most amazing things in my life. Yeah. And we were playing the card game spades at 2.30 in the morning and there was a storm that night. So we opened our steel deadbolted door to let a breeze come in through the screen. Mm-hmm. And we were on a compound with 10 foot wall and barbed wire around it uh, right outside of Port-au-Prince. And all of a sudden you hear this loud pow. And like my initial reaction was we had uh, an electric fly swatter and Haiti's kind of a muggy country. So we had a lot of bugs like yeah. in and out of the house and we were killing a bunch of bugs. So initially that pssst, sound i thought it was i thought that was that the gunshot was the flies yeah. and you see a foot kick through the front door and eight bandits storm in right behind him and a guy who kicks through then the guy who's sitting across the table from me tackles me out of my chair guy who shot through the front door shoots at us point blank range comes over flips the table over there's a girl next to me who's wearing a shawl they rip the shawl into pieces and hog ties so hands tied behind her back feet tied at our ankles, hands tied to our feet, blindfolded. Um, and they went room to room and, and stole everything. There was a pastor who was staying with us. If you didn't know where his bedroom was, you'd have never looked there. So he was hiding under the bed and, and called the police. And the police said, where are you guys located at? And said, nope, we don't come to that neighborhood. Good luck. Wow. Like, hung up on him. That's crazy. And, yeah. And then he calls the next door neighbor and said, go outside with your gun and just empty the clip out into the air um or being attacked so outside you just hear all these gunshots going off outside and that 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 pastor had done the prayer that morning at the prime minister's mm-hmm. office <clears throat> so he calls the prime minister himself and send the police we are under attack and when you when you heard those 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 gunshots from outside we thought the bandits had left our compound but on our, on our compound we also had mm-hmm. a clinic and they were in there looking for medicine and, and medical supplies <clears throat> and at that time my dad from his vantage point, he was tied up in his room, but woke up to hearing his son screaming after the initial gunshots. Yeah. He untied himself, crawled out to see if anybody got hit initially, and then closes the deadbolt, locks it, starts to untie me, and then you hear banging on the door again. And they're yelling in Creole, we think we're safe because we're not deadbolted in. And then they start shooting out the windows. So we're sitting ducks and there's just bullets flying through wow. the house. And my dad's Man. like, okay, 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 okay opens up the door, they rough him up, tie him back up, throw him on top of me and go through the house again, steal more. Then when you finally hear sirens in the distance, the bandits, they scurry off. The police came for five to 10 minutes, told us take pictures with the cameras if we had any and good luck. That was it, it was 2.33 in the morning. It was on the next flight out of Haiti and that was a Thursday night. I started grad school on Monday, like working out and football starting up again. I was a mess initially. Like I no was kidding. You know, just a mess. Like you could scare me, like saying boo, and I'd start crying. Like I had a panic attack on the plane when this little kid popping a bag of Doritos behind me, just sounding like gunshots. Yeah. Um wow. it was wild. But once I started going to therapy and getting some help in that sense, mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, frame it as more of a, a bittersweet experience. And then when I started to look at the situation with <clears throat> it's hard, but more of empathy. And understanding what they're going through mm-hmm. and now 
kids myself and thought if I couldn't feed my kids, what would I do? I don't know because I've never yeah. been to that level. Um, but then just using that experience and framing it with gratitude, just knowing I'm alive with anything. Like you'd, it doesn't matter how hard anything is, I wouldn't trade anything with being back tied up, knowing that literally watching your life flash in front of your eyes, mm-hmm. happy because your little brother just got drafted to the NFL, but he wasn't there. And he was the only person who was going to make it out because he wasn't in Haiti with us. It was me, my mom, my dad, my grandma. My older brother wasn't there as well, but it was a, it's a crazy, 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 crazy feeling. But overcoming that is definitely made me the person who I am today. Absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Uh, just the, the experience of that, the, the, tra- the traumatic, uh, just how it imprinted on your heart and your mind and your, and just in, in your soul in that space. Uh, but also, like you said a couple of things that were that I wouldn't say is common is that you began to, 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 to sort of switch the perspective of, of really seeing has, of empathy of like, what, what, what would I be like if, if, if I didn't have food to, to provide for my daughter? Like that thought, like having, being able to make that transition just emotionally and psychologically, like that's a huge step. And then moving to the point of gratitude of, hey, I'm, I'm still alive and have an opportunity to live my life in a way and share my story. Like, how, what were some of the things that allowed you to get to that point? Because that's, you know, from a transition, that's huge. Definitely didn't happen overnight. Uh, the training aspect just started that summer. It really kicked in was when we had, we had a new head trainer, Amanda, and she was just kicking everyone's butt. And it was just that I realized that was because I was always rough when it came to conditioning. But I just remember, like, the first time, like, damn, like, I'm – like I'm, I'm hurting, but then I was just like, wait, this is not, everyone else is complaining here. I'm like, this is like, I was literally two weeks ago, just tied up. Like I'm good here. Um, that came first mindset wise, the empathy side didn't really come around until after having an actual kid that was, you know, that's three years later. And then, you know, you're just, and you're just angry. You know, I remember writing a, writing a, on find my iPhone to the people who did it, you know, I, I translated in Creole because I don't speak it. And yeah. it's like, God have mercy on your soul. We burn in hell. Like was, that was, I went just, off yeah, just, yeah. this way. Two weeks later, that same group of bandits tried to rob another group of missionaries and two of them got caught <laughs> and actually got burned alive in front of the entire village. Oh my gosh. Shot dead in front of everyone. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's the world we live in. That is crazy. So, <laughs> like, where do we go from here? Like, what? <laughs> Come on, man! Whoa, uh, this is life, man. This is this is it. Like, this is you know, I, you know, I think there, there's so much of of our stories that shape who we are today, and and I don't know, like, I don't know everyone's story what that looks like, but I think we all have these moments that uh, that really transcend and shape who we are. There's defining moments as we look at our life of, of how we compete as athletes, how we, how we navigate life as how we view fatherhood now or what it means to be a man. We have these moments in our life that really begin to shape us. And one of the, the, some of the deep work as athletes that we need to do is, is intentionally dive into those spaces. And, right. and we can't be afraid of the pain. Like, we, like I said, that was one of these mentions as far as diving. Hey, I, it took me a while, which is understandable. Well, you still have to dive into those spaces of pain, those trauma. And from, from that pain is where you can really discover your purpose. You can really discover 
uh, the, the desires that you have to influence and impact the world around you. Uh, right. and, and so, so curious, like, so like you mentioned that you mentioned really began to shape with, with the birth of your daughter. How did that begin to shift from empathy and really begin to see, see yourself as a dad and, and as a man? And what does that look like to, to be this, this figure in this, this, this beautiful little, little girl's life? Like, what, what was that like? hundred percent. I think that the, my dad actually said it to me was you don't truly know or understand what the words, that's why I'm like choking up in his head. You don't understand what the words I love you actually mm. mean until you actually have a child. Yeah. Like that's, that's probably the most simplest way I could put it into words. Um, it's wild. You know, you have a, someone who's depends on you in yeah. all ways, shapes and forms. And just back to, like I said, like I, I, I do not know the levels that I would go. Like I would rob you if I had to. Mm -hmm. Like I, that, that is something I can say with confidence, yeah. knowing like, damn, like it's just wrong place, yeah. wrong time. We don't really, and we like it's 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 the world we live in. At the yeah. end of the day. But having a child is it's a uh, it's a chemical shift overnight. Yeah. I was actually able to deliver my child myself. Oh, my that's awesome. Yeah, and then playing a game that night against the what? Giants, even crazier. Yeah, yeah it is crazy. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's amazing. That's an amazing experience right there, for sure. So with that said, I know a lot of times we, as, as athletes, we, we tend or have this proclivity toward defining ourselves through our performance. And mm -hmm. I am what I do. And so, like, I value if I'm, I'm scoring the touchdown or I'm mm -hmm. hitting the points or the numbers and all those types of things. How has... How is this moving away? Because you've talked about, about the value of being a dad and being, being a father uh, and mentioned brothers and being a son and all those types of things. Mm -hmm. how, how, has, how has your life experience helped you move away from holding on to the identity that you are what you do and you are based, your values and even based on your performance to understanding the, the power that who you are is really a, a, a dad. It's a son. It's, it's a man. It's, mm -hmm. it's a creator. It's, it's an entrepreneur. It's it's someone who innovates. Someone who who does uh, takes something uh, and really builds up to something great. Like what? How, how did that shift come about? How did that transition occur? All while you were competing as a Division One athlete, and then in the NFL, it all happened in the last seven eight years. Yeah, I think it takes time, patience, and the, the elimination of the fear of judgment. I think a lot of people fear judgment too heavily to ultimately go towards whatever their true calling is or what their true north is because they're they're scared to be called corny or called different yeah. or called weird like when i was in middle school i used to go to school at 6 a.m so i could meet with a substitute teacher to do magic tricks because i wanted to be the next david blaine and like my teammates thought I, was awesome. that, but I didn't care I loved, like i loved like I've always, I think for me, it's, it's, it's been big time DNA in terms of just not caring mm -hmm. at all what anybody thinks. Um, but I think it does, it takes that level of, I guess that, 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 that takes practice. Like the fear yeah. of judgment kills and cripples a lot of people and ultimately how a lot of people get stuck in, whether it's doing a job 40 years, 40 hours a week to retire on 40% of your income because yeah. they just, they, they, you know, naturally go back to playing defense. But for me, it's just always not, being scared in that sense not like in the off season yeah. while i'm in a, a pro athlete instead of going on trips i'm going on trips to check out different markets to look at different properties or 
on away games or anything like that. Like I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts. I listen to mm. interviews. I listen to audiobooks when I'm working out. Like I, I, I think it's a, it, it, it takes a massive, massive level of like patience because you know, some people just rush into whatever's cool and then that's what they do. And it's because they want to make a whole bunch of money versus let me be patient, figure out what actually lights yeah. me on fire. And if something that lights me on fire, it's probably not going to make you money overnight. Right. But if you have patience to let it play out, then you can, you know, work your way into whatever your your true calling actually is. In that yeah, that's good. So, so what would be someone like? Obviously, like I said, sport culture. It's all stats. It's data. It's wins, losses, championships, those types of things. And so much of our identities in sport is tied to those things. So you have a rookie, 22, 23, just getting into the NFL. Yep. And he's struggling with this this, this fear of judgment because that's what that's what's in the back of his head. Yeah. So, so what, what's the advice that you would give him as he's making this transition to the NFL to help overcome that sort of that mental hurdle of, of judgment? It's going to be the wildest piece of advice you've ever heard. <laughs> Bring it. Come on now. I tell him, go to your local mall. Go to the most central part, whether it's by the food court or by the fountain, whenever, where everyone is. Lay on the floor for 60 seconds straight and just stare up at the ceiling only rule is you can't tell anyone that it's a social experiment. It's a whatever. It's literally go about lay on the floor for one minute, get up and go and continue whatever you were just doing. Because what? if you can't do that in front of a group of strangers, you won't ever overcome the fear of judgment of the people that are around you. Because who cares if you do that? Yeah. Who's going to actually remember that? Somebody maybe take a picture and say, hi, look at this guy, move on about their business. Whereas if you can do that, those chemicals, when you overcome that feeling of, oh my gosh, all these people are staring at me and I can't tell them, oh, this is just a joke, guys, don't worry about this. Or, oh, like, no, like literally walk, walk, stop, lay on your back, get up, go about your business, go grab a pretzel and That's then do your thing. Like that is the most tactical yeah. piece of advice. And if you can't do that, work your way into figuring yeah. out how yeah. you can do that. Because that, once you do that, everything else is a lot less than that. Yeah. That's awesome. So I got to ask, where did you get that from? Like that's, Honestly, now that I'm saying it, I don't know. I know That's I heard awesome. it somewhere. I heard it. That's awesome. I don't know where I heard it from, but it was, damn, now that you're saying it, I don't know where I heard it from, but I, 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 that's not something I came up with. A yeah. <laughs> no, but that, I read it in a book or I heard it somewhere, but man, I know for a fact that that would work. Like there's, and it's, yeah. it's not ours. Like it's not public. It's, 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 it's pretty close to public speaking, you can almost yeah, say, but it, it that is. will get you out of your shell to now, okay, if I can lay in front of a group of strangers, I can post about my truths. I can figure out, yeah. I, can, I can get out of my shell of worrying about judgment from all these other people. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice step in the right direction of getting that feeling of being uncomfortable because on, on the other side of being uncomfortable is greatness. Yeah, that's good, man. That's so good. And that's uh, we, one of the things that we talk that I like to talk about is is fear is the door to your victory. Mm, it's so very great. similar. Yeah, just it's that fear is the door to your victory. So you got to walk through that door, and that's we, that that victory is on the other side of that. Because anytime you you grow and develop, anytime you to raise the next level, it's a space you've never been before. So there's uncertainty. There's unknowns. You may only see the next step forward, but you got to realize that that what you want to achieve is on the other side of that. And there's, and there's, because of the unknown, because of the murkiness, the, you know, the shifting sand, whatever you want to call it, it's, 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 it's hard. And there's, there's fear in there and there's judgment there. But the reality is, is that the victory is on the other side of that door. 
you got you got you got to you got to take that step and walk through. That's real. So with uh, you know, you, you talk about uh, your time at Monmouth. You got into flipping houses, got into the real estate. That was your degree. It was also in the, in the real estate manager, the business side of things. Uh, and then you talk about your athletic career. So now you've been flipping houses, but now you also your, your career starts to pick up, going from your fourth year, then your fifth year. And there's, you're on the cusp of potentially looking like, hey, this NFL thing might be actually a reality. What was going on in the, as that transition began to occur that you had this, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, your, the job you were anticipating going into as far as flipping houses and that kind of stuff. You know, what, what, what began to shift mentally for you as you began to come to the realization that this transition to the NFL might be a reality? There's a couple of things for me, because like I said, like for me, the only reason why I moved to tight end is so I could get a fifth year and I could get an MBA for free. I got really <laughs> thinking about the NFL. I was literally yeah. thinking, how can I, I know if I don't play this year, they're not going to give me a fifth year, which means I'm just going to have a bachelor's degree, but I want an MBA. Yeah. And, and the realization happened for me was right after I finished up that senior year, about to go into that fifth year, my little brother had just gotten drafted to the Oakland Raiders okay. and when you got you know your little brother someone you used to take baths with as a little kid and compete with and fight with and all that type of stuff like yeah. it's a, he can do it I can do it type of mentality yeah. and at the same time my tight end coach just pulled me aside and was and he's coached a tight end who's made it to the NFL and and he was roommates with Miles Austin who's a pro ball receiver from the Cowboys and he was just like look he was just straight up with me like you got it like and if, if you decide to commit to this summer to work in your face off no questions asked no excuses like you will be an nfl tight end and mm. i kind of took that those words and really trusted it and really believed in it yeah and that's i mean that coach gallo man he 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 poured himself into me in terms of just a level of the, the, the allowed amount the allotted amount of time you're allowed to spend together <laughs> fta rules like right yeah we spent every minute, every second, yeah. together, honestly, getting ready for, for the final season. Yeah. And it's so, it's so important to have those key people around you. You know, those, you know, those moments of doubt or just questioning or of uncertainty when you have people that are willing to speak into your life and speak truth, but also, you know, the, the great coaches see something in people and they bring it out of them, even though they didn't realize they had it. That's and that's, that, that's what he did for you. He pulled something out of you where you're like, I don't know if I can do it. my younger brother's doing it. Who knows? But he spoke life into you. That's and real. saw that come to a fruition, which is amazing. And I think that's what that's what coaches do. Great coaches bring something out in athletes that they see in them that the athlete themselves yet don't see. And and there's there's beauty in that. 100%. So, all right. So you now you got your so you're you're flipping houses, and you talked about. I know you shared a story with me about your when you were going to uh, was it was it the was Phoenix the first team? Mm -hmm. And what what was what did you do? You talked about uh, the the real estate market. I remember if I remember correctly. What was what were some things that you went into that space? You get uh, you signed with Phoenix. What are some of the initial things that you did to continue into thinking about life after playing in the NFL? Hundred percent. Initially, I was thinking like as soon as I whatever team I go to, I'm doing real estate. Got to Phoenix, and I'm like, awesome. Phoenix is booming right now. It's a real mm -hmm. estate market. I'm gonna invest as soon as I get there, and then quickly realize I need to make this team first because this is not <laughs> cakewalk, and this is hard as hell. Yeah. And I got hurt. Like right when I got there, I separated my shoulder. I'm like, man, am I even gonna beat here? Yeah. Um, and like, is this it for me? And uh, after making the team, I was living in an apartment where I was paying two thousand bucks a month, and quickly realized I was living month to month. Quickly realized that I was gonna spend, you know, twenty four grand that year on rent, and 
as soon as the season ended, I went on a site called Bigger Pockets, which I'd consider as like the Facebook for real estate. Okay. And essentially what I did was, how do I explain it? They, they have threads on there for new members on the, on, the, on the forums and pretty much made a post saying, hey, my name's Hakeem, former or current tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, looking to get into the house hacking space in real estate and use my FHA loan. Would love to network with other like-minded investors. And about 40 people reached out wow. and wanted to meet up for coffee, let me hang out with them for the day, tour their properties, check out the market, all that type of stuff. And in that probably month and a half, two months, it's been every every single day for hours. Just like literally season just ended January. I probably look back for that bigger pockets post. It's probably it's somewhere between January 1st and January 3rd, I sent that out. And then it was every day I was on the move, just meeting with different people and utilized by May. So that was January by May is when I actually bought a fourplex. I utilized my FHA loan to put three and a half percent down on a four unit uh, property. So $268,000 property only put down 13,000 to live in one unit nice. and uh, rent out the other three for free. So I had a 45 minute commute to the facility every day, but I was willing to make that sacrifice and I'll have my toes uh, into the real estate uh, industry. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I think there's, there's something to that. Cause I think, you know, there's just, I think there's this, this myth or this misnomer with athletes of, I have to focus only on my sport and, and it's starting to change a little bit, especially with, uh, with some of the movements so with the, with the BLM movement coming, athletes taking a stand, especially what's going on in the racial tensions in the U.S. currently, uh, as 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 we're moving forward with that, and athletes beginning to leverage their platform uh, and really thinking beyond just their sport, and like you know the whole uh, the whole thing was shut up and dribble, and just, <laughs> mm -hmm. just some of the people that made comments of just uh, absurd comments, but just the the platform that you guys have as athletes is is influential. And so what are some of the things that, that, you, that you've done, but also what were some of the things that you would encourage other athletes to do to begin to leverage their platform uh, and stepping into space, preparing for life after playing professionally? 100%. Um, I took a multifaceted approach. I think content's one of the biggest things. Uh, most athletes, I'm, I'm the biggest corporate, what's the word? Culprit of... Uh, <laughs> The biggest culprit of it, I was insecure when I was playing. I'm like, I did all those things. I bought properties in every market I played in and was ripping and running in the entrepreneurial world, but I never talked about it. Hmm. I was it all secret. And I posted my first piece of content on LinkedIn February of 2018 after retiring. And that first piece of content was a one minute clip after doing a speech of me talking about how I bought my first property three years prior or two, yeah. how many years prior. And that, that piece of content got 55,000 views. I was a guest on like 15 to 20 shows. I got like five paid speaking engagements from it. Got involved in the cannabis industry in other states because people found me just from seeing the piece of content. Yeah. And it was a simple video just talking about what I've done, like actually telling my truths. Yeah. Versus look at me, I'm with Larry Fitzgerald. Or look at me, I'm at the club with this person. Or look at me, I've got the football in my hand and I'm playing on Monday Night Football, which is just putting yourself in that box of I'm just an athlete versus yeah. no, I'm also an athlete and real estate investor. I'm an athlete and I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an athlete yeah. and I'm a father. I'm an athlete and I'm an investor and building that brand of that. So when you're done, like, I don't think it's too late. I think it's, you know, tactical advice that I would take and probably the biggest and easiest way to grow on all your other platforms is using TikTok. You know, most people think TikTok's an insane platform. You have to dance in order to make it on there. And the most XO tactical thing I'd say to do is, is is take some of your best plays that you've done as an athlete 
doesn't matter what sport you're in and green screen them so it's the play is going behind you and you're just explaining and giving your insight on what's actually going on in the play like i had 11 catches in the nfl over three years and me explaining those 11 catches has gotten me to a hundred and eight thousand followers and you know i also mix in some real estate and entrepreneurship content as well but the core bulk of my content is just me talking about what i already did and i think small stuff like that i mean that's transitioned to a a multitude of followers on all my other platforms because you can link directly to your bio and pick all your other platforms in that sense i mean like tactically i'd do that and on top of that this is not because i I run a a podcast production company but i tell athletes like you should start some sort of interview style platform because it will ultimately help you find your passion through interviewing other people in different spaces so maybe you've had an interest for tech and real estate and politics and activism and coaching and now you have a podcast that's just called hakeem's journey and now you're interviewing all these people who are in all these fields but you're you're tasting instead of having to get a job for three years in coaching and realizing you don't like it or a job Mm -hmm. for years in tech and realize you don't like it just do three or four interviews with five people for 45 minutes to an hour and ask the questions that you're genuinely interested in and you'll know if you like it or not but on the back end you also have someone that you actually like trust and respect in the space and might be able to utilize that as you're in into the space it's a it's a very just practical practical way to uh ultimately get what you want accomplished get get what you want done accomplished but then ultimately figure out what you actually like through tasting yeah, that's really good. And I think it's and what's, what's what's cool is that athletes have a platform that people want to participate in. Absolutely. And so doing that little that little step of interviewing other people, even just a little bit like a behind the scenes, if you will, like people love that because because they want to know what your life is like. They want to know what, what the experiences of being in the locker room. They want to know the experience of of what a day in the life of Hakeem is like. And and so they they'll tune into that. They want they see these athletes uh, make these plays, what happened. Like they want to know what was going through your mind when you made that move and why you did that. Uh, and that's just there's beauty in that. And like I said, you're not doing a ton of different things. Like I said, eleven you said eleven plays on TikTok and over a hundred thousand. Like that's crazy. <laughs> like all that, the, yeah, all those videos average at least a quarter million views. Which and, is that's amazing. Insane. And well, you you're not seeing that type of engagement organically on any other platform. No, not at all. And I think what's, and what's amazing with that is, is that the, how that's propelling you to other opportunities. Yes. Uh, just, you know, just like within sport, as you build momentum, uh, one play after another builds momentum on it, you increase your confidence. The same thing's happening in the business. The same principle applies is that as you've grown there, that's affected other avenues and giving you more opportunities, just like your initial LinkedIn post, how that that's opened cool. up, you know, opportunities to do paid speaking, other interviews and stuff like that like that created opportunities for you and i think beginning to think beginning to think outside of just your sport as an athlete will set you up for success whenever that transition may come whether it's two three years or it's 15 years uh, but being proactive in that so that's that, that's amazing just how you've been able to attention to do that all right so so what's moving forward so i know nfl season's just started back up we've had some crazy uh i think last night i read that one of the games is just canceled from this weekend is coming up as well. Yeah, so, it, yeah. so it's like because of COVID and all that. So what's, what's on the, what's on the forefront for you as you're looking at the rest of 2020, what, what would, what is something that you like, this is what I want to see happen to make the rest of this year, this next quarter successful. Mm. For me, it's probably just like 
football will play itself out regardless. I don't really have many. Like, if I'm on a team, awesome. If I'm not, awesome. Um, for me, it's just continuous growth uh, with our company. We've been able to hire probably about five people since the pandemic started. Um, yeah, I think by the by the end of I think uh, Q4 starts tomorrow, right? Yeah, uh, that's correct. Yeah, I think it's for for me. What do I want to happen? Is it's probably more macro than micro. Uh, mm-hmm. From a macro level, is just some tor- some type of stability and just peace. Where just mentally for for our you know country as a whole, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're living in such an interesting time. You know, I mentioned it to you off air. It's, I told you I'm a very optimistic person, but you know, like I said, empires rise and fall historically every 250 years. And you know, with America being in year 244, and if history does in fact it repeat itself, yeah. it is wild times we are indeed living in from a race relations standpoint, yeah. from a global pandemic standpoint. And from just failed leadership in totality standpoint, mm-hmm. and I think everybody's looking for something right now, whether it's something good or sadly, if something bad is going to be ultimately that perspective tweak that we all need to get out of this space that we're all in right now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, wake up and start thinking about the future of our planet, the future of our children, of our grandchildren, and just I mean the future of this country. And you know, no, I. I I think you hit on something that's from a long-term perspective. Not many people have. You're so like wrapped up in the moment, want it instantly, want it now, instant gratification, all types of things. But even just how you're communicating that, it's it's a long-term. Yeah, it is court, uh, quarter, fourth quarter starting tomorrow. But there's also the sense of of three years from now, five years from now, fifteen years from now. That's more of an of an infinite game. Simon Sinek talks about the infinite game. Hundred you know, percent. So so what? What does it look like from a transitional standpoint for athletes as they're in this space? The NBA in the bubble, just getting ready to finish up. Uh, NHL hockey just finished up the, the, their Stanley Cup uh, championship this, this last week. Uh, NFL is getting started. Soccer uh, professionally is on the tail end of the season. Baseball on the tail end of the season. So what does that, that, that perspective of the infinite game have for athletes knowing that season's come and go? Uh, what's what's that what would be some advice for an athlete to have that type of perspective uh going forward i think it's building building and finding something that you can ultimately do in perpetuity i think we think and we think very like we just mentioned we think very small term and short term about a lot of different things and i think it's it's a it's gary v says this mantra a lot that i really like is micro speed and macro patience and i think when you find what is whatever that yeah. thing, yeah, I love it. Whatever whatever that thing is, I think we have. And this is just huge in just a 2020 digital world where everyone's posturing and, and peacocking their chest, depending on whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think we have to match, you know, the the audacity of our ambitions with our actual work ethic of what we're actually actually going to do. I think a lot of athletes become complacent because we, yes, we probably struggled on the come up getting to this point of being a pro athlete. But once we're there, let's be real, everything is handed to us. You know, yeah. you want to get your license renewed and you don't have to do that. Your security person will take care of it. You want you want anything done in some way, shape or form, you can get it done and or you have the means in the moment right. while you're a current athlete to pay someone to do it for you, essentially. And I think we get to that same type of mindset when we're done playing hmm. and it's lazy in a sense. Um, but it's, it's not like it's, I wouldn't say it's, 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 
it's subconscious. You don't realize you don't realize you're doing it because it's been your that's been your natural state for the last three years. And granted, you've been busy as hell because you are a professional athlete in the top one of the one percent of athletes right, yeah. in the world. Um, but I think getting out of that mindset and, and going back to the to, to the thought process of matching the audacity of whatever your ambition is with your work ethic and finding something that allows the journey to continue to make you to be happy. I think a lot of people put this success metric of happiness on a pedestal. And I think, yes, I think happiness needs to be the, the true north. And happiness is, for me, is the definition of success. But I don't think happiness needs to be a mountain peak in the sense of, because once you reach a mountain peak, it's there's a there's a drop off after that. You don't yeah. just stay on the top of the mountain, you find the next mountain. And that's where you find people who are have short-term thoughts, short-term goals, uh, do this and you know jack not even not even jack of all trades because i consider myself in some fashions jack of all trades but shiny object syndrome oh i'm gonna yeah. do this successful make me happy boom oh i'm gonna do this oh, i'm gonna do this versus finding make a goal whether it's big enough or wild enough that the journey of obtaining that end goal is going to continuously yeah. make you happy because then that puts you in a place where all you have to do is stay above water as long as you don't you know, as long as you're not broke, bankrupt, or in jail, happiness is yeah. journey in that sense. And I think that's it, it takes a level of, you know, looking inward and, and, and figuring out what actually does light you on fire so that journey can, in fact, be happy. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Some good stuff right there. And I think having, having that, the, the, not the stats, the results of the money or the fame or accolades as what makes you happy, but actually having, uh, the people around you, like I said, your daughter, family, but also the, the opportunity to build something, to create something and to tap into your why, your passion, what drives you being able to do that day in and day out. And even if it isn't that, like your, your calling could be, you want to drive trains because you want to get people places safely. And like, that's something that you do forever. Cause you want to get the view of all the different sites. Yeah. And then that would, that's what genuinely makes you happy. But yeah. It comes also back to that fear of judgment. Once you yeah. drop that fear of judgment, it allows you to realize like, that's man, good. I really do like trains versus yeah. I'm corny if I become a train conductor. I used to be a pro athlete. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, but that, and that's awesome. And we have that freedom to be yourself, that be your best true self going toward the true north and allows you to really come alive, but also that in, in a positively infects those around you and inspires others to do the same thing. Like, like even I'm like... I'm like, if I saw someone laying in the mall, laying down for 60 seconds and like how I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That takes that took some balls. Like, that's wow. That's amazing. But that inspires me just seeing even just sharing that story. It's like, OK, that's awesome. I'm like, I want to go try yeah. something new. It, it, like doing something like that. I, I think <laughs> it's, a, it's almost like a it's a reprogramming of yourself. Yeah. Of like, boom, like that. We need those. Th I think we need those, those things that make you yeah. sweat or get yeah. you wildly. Why yeah. like, David Goggins calls it callousing your mind, like yeah. just things for no reason that gets you wildly uncomfortable but now okay boom that, that that's awesome that's awesome all right so i know we're just finishing up here uh how, how can people connect with you i know you mentioned linkedin you mentioned tiktok instagram how, how what's the if people want to start following not one i know they want to stop far start following you how do they connect with you uh what, where do they go to find you uh, like, like the platforms you said, I'd say to follow and actually connect, connect with me, either LinkedIn or Instagram on Instagram, my bio, I, I've been for the last couple of weeks because of the threat of TikTok being shut down. I wanted to, what do you call it? Take a lot of those followers that I had off the platform. So I've created these weekly zoom Q and A's that I do that are just cool. completely free once a week where 
you get any, if you sign up, you just get an email once a week whenever we're doing it. And then you get another email of the video of what we did the last week of it's just creating a genuine community of just people. It's been awesome. The age range ranges from like 12 to 40. Like this one like perfect example. He, he, it was, it was honestly crazy. It was, it was, I wouldn't say it was life changing. I mean, damn near had me in tears as a kid who's 12 years old, loves music, but has been getting bullied by his friends in school hmm. for playing like, switching his TikTok, not even posting anything on TikTok, but then playing music on TikTok. And all of his classmates have been bullying him and all that. So I was just like, it's crazy the small things you can do to bring value, but how much it in a yeah. selfish way brings value to yourself. But like we invited, I invited that kid to, I do weekly all hands meetings for my company, but invited him to jam out and like 10 minute segment of him just playing his guitar and showing us like showing our company, all his stuff. And like, that felt awesome. Like that's that cool. And, the next week we had, there's a comedian in that group of people who's just been coming back every week. So last week we had him do a 10 minute spiel at the beginning of our all hands. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but it's been cool trying to create like a genuine community where mm -hmm. I don't need or want anything from them. It's yeah. just building a tribe of who knows, who knows one day what it will lead into, but it's been pretty cool. Cause sometimes there'll be three people in there. Sometimes there'll be 20 people and it's, it's been, uh, that's it's awesome. been really cool. But if anybody wants to join that, this is all my bios. I have like the link for it to just put your email in. Cool. And then we'll have in uh, we'll have a link to in the show notes as well, just to, so people can click on that if they if that's where they're they're connecting with you. So Akeem, thank you so much again for for joining me on the Ship Podcast. Really, uh, just insights, your story, being willing to share, just the vulnerability that you shared today, the genuineness, the authenticity that that you shared. And also the words of wisdom, just the, the insights that you, you uh, we gleaned from you today was uh, was off the charts. So really appreciate you making the time to uh, connect with us today. No doubt, my friend. Appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you for listening to the Shift Podcast, where we are assisting athletes through successful transition in sport as well as in life. We would love for you to subscribe, share the podcast, as well as leave a review. Remember, change is one of the only things in life that are guaranteed. Will you be ready?